This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It's the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and joined in studio by former NHL defenseman and generally all-around good fella, uh, Mr. Jamie Rivers. What's up, dude? Wow, I'll take it. Thank you. Not much. How you doing? Uh-oh, your head looks like it's going to explode. Dude, first of all, I love trade deadlines in all sports. Uh-huh. Okay? Like I love them. Like, this feeds the sports fan junkie in me. <laughs> and it seems like the last couple of days as an NHL fan, dude, your head is spinning. Yeah. Kind of trying to keep up with everything that's going on. One of the things, though, man, that I want to start out with, and then I want to talk about the Blues and everything. Sure. But I really, I'm speaking to the Blues fans out there, and I know that I'm probably going to be speaking or, or talking um, uh, to somebody that's not willing to listen to this, but I see Blues Twitter go nuts every day about something. It's seemingly always negative. It's seemingly always end-of-the-world kind of stuff. And, Jamie, I was just under the assumption that we all kind of knew what the deal was right now. And also, people act like the franchise is barren of talent. And it's not. This is not an end-of-the-world rebuild situation here, man. And I just wish everybody could take a step back and go, these next few weeks are going to suck, but it's all for a, a particular purpose. Yeah, but I think here's the reason I think people get angry is because the expectations coming into this season were once again high. Mm-hmm. You looked at the Blues team last year that really were the only team that gave Colorado a real fight mm-hmm. uh, or scared them a little bit anyways. And so people are like, okay, we were close. Now we get a full season of Nick Letty. Uh, I think people were pissed off that David Perron wasn't brought back. There were some changes, slight changes made along the way. So I think that they were like, okay, I'm willing to deal with David Perron not being here if we're going to win. What? We're not winning? And Ryan O'Reilly hasn't been extended? And what happens if we lose him? What? It it started to spin this, not negativity, I'd say concern. Yeah. And, and it's I only because we it's only because we're used to winning. Yeah. Or at least making the playoffs yeah. in recent years. So I think that the expectations were high and that people were angry and disappointed all at the same time. Yeah. Okay. One of the things too that I want to ask you from the start is last week, you know, we very much I mean we put this where the, uh, most of the blame belongs and that is on the players, all right? Yeah. Absolutely so. But one of the things that I thought of after we were done is that in a team sport, in a team organization, it's not just one area. Are there things that you think Coach Berube could have maybe done better? Are there things in which that you think GM Doug Armstrong could have could have could have done better? Because again, man, like the players have to play. I completely agree yeah. with that, and it is on them, but it's a team game and a team sport, and you would have to think that those guys probably deserve a little bit, uh, sharing the blame a little bit, too. Well, I think if you ask Doug Armstrong right now, he'd say, yeah, I shoulder you know, a portion of the blame. Whatever percentage that is that you want to give Doug Armstrong for as far as he the takes blame, it. he'll take it. Mm-hmm. I think roster construction was something that maybe was a miss. Um, on paper, it wasn't. You looked at the roster, you're like, okay, it's a pretty good group. So maybe overall the expectations or the the forecasting of some of their seasons was maybe um, a little too much, mm-hmm. meaning that... Uh, a little too rosy. A little too rosy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of the deep underlying numbers from last year that were overlooked because the team 
was successful, they've reared their ugly head this year because a lot of the numbers were exactly the same last year, except you had guys who were scoring at a higher clip, and you had guys that were scoring with less shots on net. Shooting percentages were way up for certain players, which is abnormal. So whether it was an anomaly or just good luck or good shooting or whatever it was, last year ended up better for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Those numbers are almost the same this year, and this is the product you're getting. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And I I think that the type of player that needs to play within this team or this system, maybe that was overlooked a little bit. I think we're seeing – you know, a recapture of that a little with Sammy Blay being brought back and re-signed for another year at a million dollars. I think it's a fantastic signing. I love it for both sides. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen so far has been a very direct player. Gets to the net front, got himself uh, his first goal as a blue last night. Uh, he was involved in the Braden Shen power play goal. He didn't get a point, but he was in there disrupting the net front defenseman. So maybe you're you're kind of resetting what this team might look like moving forward. As far as coaching is concerned, I mean, the systems are the systems. You know, I don't know what else you do. It's it's one of the most frustrating professions when you have guys that can execute but aren't executing, at least not on a consistent basis. Sure. Because you look at this Blues team, and like last night was a San Jose game. That game was a microcosm of the season. The first period, woof. Woof. <laughs> I mean, woof. But then second period, four goals. Right. So it's this bipolar St. Louis Blues team that doesn't know what it is. And I think that that's where there's not confusion, but you sit there as a manager, a general manager, or as a head coach and go, okay, we were horrible. Then we were really good. Like, what are we really then? Right. Where's the middle ground? Like, where, where's where the middle ground? Yeah. And that's the hardest part. And I think that's why there's been so many ups and downs and so much uncertainty regarding – uh, certain players and their value and what they should be or whether they should be here or not. And so it's been a really, really tough year from an evaluation standpoint for Army. Do you think now, as we record this today, it's 12.15. So what do we have? Two hours until trade deadline? Two hours, 45 minutes? Uh, is trade it... deadline is 2 p.m. Okay, Central so we got time. an hour 45. Yeah. Do you think Colton Pareko is moved before the trade deadline? Do you think uh, Krug is moved? Do you think the Blues are done? I think they're done. I know, and, uh, you know, people will be downloading this following the trade deadline and listening to it today on 101 ESPN following the fast lane. Mm -hmm. So all of what we say will be in the past. Right. But um, (laughs) I'm going to try and sound smart and say that uh, I think that the Blues, any major moves are done. I don't see Krug being moved. I don't see Pareko being moved. In fact, watching Colton Pareko last night play, I don't know this to be true, but I would bet money on the fact that somebody told him he's not going anywhere because his confidence, his play was elevated last night. I mean, he snuck in, went back door, grabbed a puck, scored. Then the next time he gets a puck, puts it through the wickets on a guy, then goes right around the net, pass it to Booch over to Brown goal. Like he was playing like a guy that is oozing confidence. We haven't seen that version of Colton Pareko a lot this year, or maybe at all as much as we saw it last night. To me, it looked like a guy that was like, okay, mm-hmm. exhale. I'm not going anywhere. I'm part of their future plans. I'm part of the plan moving forward. Whatever it is, I'm going to go out there and show them what I can do. That's what it looked like. Now, I'm going to pump the brakes because mm-hmm. it was the San Jose Sharks, but I don't care. You've had some questionable games as a team against everybody in the NHL this year. 
So I liked what I saw to Colton Pareko. I don't think he gets moved. Um, I think there will be movement in the offseason of someone. I don't believe it's Colton Pareko. It's going to be Tory Krug probably, right? It's possible. I mean, you would have to think, though, out of everybody on that back end, I mean, he would be the one that most teams would probably want, right? Well, he's got to continue to produce, though. So the, the, the obstacle here is that the player has lost market value a little bit just because his play and his health Angels, have not been right. up to par. And so when you look at a $6.5 million defenseman, like you're looking, if you're a rock and roll venue and you look outside the entrance, are they lined up around the block or is there one person standing waiting to buy a ticket? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for that one, I guess there's probably only one or two stragglers at if, this point. At this if. point, because salary cap. There'd be people that'd be interested if he was free. Right. Be, okay, great. If it doesn't hurt our salary cap, we'll take him. Or if he was $2 million or $3 million. But he's 6.5 on your cap. He's got a no-trade clause, and he's got, what, five more years. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. But I do think that he's the one, if you're Doug Armstrong, you're circling for the offseason, and you go, okay. Because So hear me out. Do you have another Colton Pareko in your organization? I mean, and you're talking about my prospects, your draft picks, your young kids in Springfield. Have you heard of anybody or have you seen anybody that projects to be the next Colton Pareko? Not even close. Okay. Do you have right? the, like not even close? Not even close. Do you have the next Justin Falk? 25 minutes a game. Not even close. No. Okay. Nick Letty, you could argue maybe, maybe ish, you know, do you have the next Tory Krug? Possibly. And Perunovic. And Scott Perunovic. Mm-hmm. And uh, Perunovic is probably like 900000 next year. Now, can he carry the mail like Tory Krug? Probably not right away. Right. But you also have Marco Scandella still, and you also have Tyler Tucker. You have some guys to where you don't have to put all of the pressure on Scott Perunovic. You also have Justin Falk, who's a really good power play defenseman. You have Nick Letty, who can play the power play. So – you can make do, is what I'm saying. And if Scott Perunovich elevates his game, he literally projects to be Tory Krug. Size, style, almost everything. Right, right. And what was amazing, too, I remember going to a playoff game last year against Minnesota when they had to dust off homeboy from the IR, and he went in and ran that power play like he'd been doing it all damn year. He's, it was unbelievable to watch. He's very talented that way. That's why I think... Um, just from an overall standpoint, like if you had a clone, he's kind of the clone or could be of Tory Krug. And if that's the case, then you, you, that's why you circle that, guys. This is not a player we don't want, not a player who can't help us. It's a salary cap hit that we can move mm-hmm. because we're going to need that salary cap to build our team back up to where we want them to be. Tell us about the player that, that the Blues acquired today from Detroit. Wow. Uh, to be determined. Donnie, to be determined, I did a lot of background checking uh, on this guy, and he's had a tough go. Mm-hmm. He uh, won a Stanley Cup with the Washington it's Jacob Cap- Verena. Yeah, Verona. Verona, yeah, yeah. okay. And some people call him Jacob, but it's not that. It's Jacob. Okay. Um, Jacob Verona. And uh, he's had a tough go. He's had a bout with uh, some substance abuse and some alcohol, uh, off-ice issues. He's had some locker room issues. Uh, he's had some issues playing defensive hockey. Oh, boy. He's a project. He's a reclamation project, and but that's what you're getting right now. If you're mm-hmm. Doug Armstrong, you've got the Casperi Kapanen, a reclamation project. You've got this Jacob Verana, a reclamation project. They're 26, 27 years old, kind of at a fork in the road for their career. Their cap hit isn't terrible. Uh, Detroit uh, 
retained 50% of Verona's deal. So you're paying like $2.5 million for this player. Now you got him again next year. You're married to the contract right. again next year, which is what worries me a little bit. Because what if it doesn't work and now you're married to the 2.5 again next year? And that's 2.5 you can't use for somebody else. So time will tell. Here's the thing. His upside is, you know, 25 to 30 goal scorer. And he played on a Stanley Cup championship team in Washington. That's the upside. Right. That's the ceiling. The the floor or the basement, we know what it is. Right. Into the substance abuse program and all the power to him. I, I don't care. Like, right. You deserve the chance fine, to. Right. But, but him being in, in rehab doesn't help your hockey club. And I hope that he's battled those demons. I hope they're behind him. Um, you know, we've seen some great people overcome things like that. Hell, let's just go back a couple of years ago. Assistant coach Jim Montgomery yeah. had his his battle with alcohol. And I know he still battles it every day because might win the cup this year and he might win the cup. And he was an instrumental part of, you know, being a really good coach for this St. Louis blues hockey club. And Doug Armstrong brought him in a reclamation project as a coach kind of thing, believed in him, knew that he was battling things and knew that he could handle it. So maybe Verona is the same thing. Maybe Jacob Verona has told army or his agent has it. Listen, this kid just needs a chance. He's willing to be there. And if so, the upside is is, is great. For $2.5 million to get a 25 to 30 goal score, you're laughing. For $2.5 million this, for the rest of this year and mostly next year, if it's a player that can't stay in the lineup, and is that sucks. Right, right. All right. It's so- a bit of a gamble. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am a proud patient of Dr. James Maxwell and Crestwood Dental Group, as is my family, taking great care of my kids' choppers, and they're going to do the very same for you and your family. Find out more about Crestwood Dental Group and Dr. James Maxwell by going to CrestwoodDental.com. That's CrestwoodDental.com, or give them a ring at 314-820-0909. Listen, you are going to get everything that you need at uh, with Dr. Maxwell and Crestwood Dental Group, cosmetic dentistry. Uh, they also, you know, Dr. Maxwell is always learning. So trying to make your next trip into the uh, dentist office that much easier than the time before. Because, you know, man, nobody loves going to the dentist office. Go and find out what Dr. Maxwell offers for you and your family. CrestwoodDental.com or give him a ring at 314-820-0909. It's Dr. James Maxwell and Crestwood Dental Group. So, all right, so there's a billion things to ask you uh, around the NHL. I think the first thing that, that I have wanted to ask you all week is Jonathan Quick being moved to Columbus, <sighs> but then moved to Vegas, so things turned out all right for Jonathan. But can you talk about the original deal L.A., Columbus, Jonathan Quick, who had been with L.A. his entire career, one of the greatest American goaltenders, 
Hall of Famer, the whole thing. I mean, there were times that I would have nightmares about Jonathan Quick just absolutely stymieing the yeah. Blues. Well, not so, just the Blues, the entire league. Yeah, yeah, but can you kind of talk about this from the player's perspective? Because, man, it did not make L.A. look good, and it did not seem like that locker room was happy after that trade was made. No, they were pissed. You know, it's tough because this is a guy that's given his whole career to the L.A. Kings, and single-handedly won them a Stanley Cup, their very first cup. Single-handedly. Without him, there's no chance. In fact, both cups, there's no chance without him. I didn't like it. Uh, I understood it from a business standpoint, but I also feel like the handling of it could have been better. He was with his team on the road uh, in Winnipeg at the time, and then he was notified of the trade. He had to fly back with the team on the team plane. Ugh. And he was being going from L.A. to, uh, no disrespect, but to Columbus, where, you know. Things... It's Columbus from L.A. Columbus is beautiful to live there. But it's not L.A. And they're not winning. Right. They're not winning. L.A.'s, right now, L.A.'s in a playoff spot. Yeah. So, I, here's what I think, okay, is I think that it could have been done differently. I think that if Rob Blake, who... Has gone through this himself. He went from L.A. to the Avalanche. Now, that wasn't really like going from L.A. to Columbus, let's be honest. But I think if he would have said, hey, Jonathan, here's the deal. We need to alleviate your cap hit. Why don't you go home, okay? And we're going to ultimately end up moving you somewhere in a three-way trade. What's a list of 10 teams you would go to Mm -hmm. to finish your career? And then the player can be mad and whatnot, but then he can go home, he can reflect and say, okay, I wouldn't go to Columbus, or I'll go to Vegas, I'll go to Dallas, I'll go to, like, he can pick. Yeah. And then Rob Blake could have made the same deal with Columbus. He could have said, here's the deal, sending Jonathan Quick to you guys, but you need to move him to Dallas or to Vegas or to wherever for what, like, it's easy to get all that done. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't like the handling of it. Um, Now, here's the kicker. Jonathan Quick has now been traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights are in the same division as the LA Kings. Kings. And uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have a hell of a team. Yeah. And the Vegas Golden Knights now have a Stanley Cup champion goaltender who's seven shades of pissed off. (laughs) Who is highly motivated. Highly motivated. Highly. Who can carry a team, a a a mid-team, to a Stanley Cup championship, now he's got a really good team. This could get very interesting in the West, in the Pacific Division in particular. Dude, that looks fantastic. And then also, too, let's go over to the East, and it feels like the whole Tampa, oh my God. Uh, Rangers. It's the arms de- race, Devils. Man. Like, it's incredible over there, man. Let's go over it. So the Maple Leafs have acquired pretty much everybody in the league. <laughs> Dude, uh, it's like six or seven players, the right? The Bruins somehow keep fitting people under the cap. I don't know how they're doing and it. And signed David Pasternak to and an eight-year deal. Pasta to a ninety. <laughs> million dollar deal Dude. um the new york rangers just decided to pick up every veteran offensive stud in the league at like no cost right a uh, tampa bay still lying in the weeds over there just waiting they are just waiting this is go- this is going to be an epic eastern conference playoff run i can't think wait. about this boston rangers toronto tampa one of those teams is not getting out of the first round Dude, there's going to be some wars, man. It's going to be nuts. Wars. So do you, do you, at this point, I know it's tough for you to say, and I know that 
You still think very highly of Colorado at this point, which I totally understand. Well, you got to remember, they're going to be inserting Gabriel Landeskog for playoffs. It's amazing. Uh, apparently, he's got an injury that um, heals the day the playoffs start. Oh, isn't that amazing? I, I mean, a couple of guys have had those injuries, too. <laughs> yeah, it's worked for Tampa the last it's couple of Tampa. years, too. It worked for Chicago. Patrick Kane, way back when? Okay, what about this? Uh Uh, The world of hockey is back to dumping on the Arizona Coyotes. Yes. And I believe that I read yesterday, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that something like 40-something percent of their payroll is for players that are not on the team or are retired. Yeah, their payroll itself is like $49 million, and they've got $37 million in LTIR money. Dude, what do you think of that? And I understand that that's the rules. I understand they're following the rules. But, like, what a disaster. Like, the, 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 like how could anybody be a fan of that team and that franchise right now? Like, well, here's the only thing. They have to come out the other side soon, okay? Dude, what real I mean by, soon. What I mean by that is the strategy of acquiring long-term money from – teams with injured players is accruing draft picks at the same time. I'll take your Chris Pronger contract, but you're going to give me a second rounder, a third rounder. I think the Coyotes have like 16 picks in this year's draft. Wow. Something stupid like that. And they've got like 12 next year. And so, but here's where they have to flip the switch. This, this has to be the last year that they do it. And then they go into next year, and they don't have to be a cap team because they're going to be young. But they've got to start building and getting – and so next year taking some of those draft picks and trading them for current players that are 24, 25, 26, 27 years old and building. Like, this has to be a three- to four-year model, not an eight- to ten-year model. Sure. And that's one of the things that's so frustrating to me about it, and it's something that you've talked about, is that Phoenix – is a destination for NHL players. Guys are retiring their left and right. Dude, they they love it. it. They've What they did is they totally screwed up. The, I forget what ownership it was. They had an opportunity to build a, an arena in Scottsdale. Scottsdale is like the Beverly Hills of Arizona. Okay, It is incredible. The, every resort is in Scottsdale. All the beautiful golf courses are in Scottsdale. The beautiful shopping and the restaurants. I mean, you name it. It is it's incredible. Yeah. They picked Glendale. Not so much. Okay? Because they got a massive bargain on the land. Sure. So they were penny-wise dollar stupid. And now they had to relocate to Mullet Arena, and they've changed ownership two or three times and gone through a bankruptcy. Oh, Keith. Had they put the damn arena in Scottsdale, they would have had season ticket holders out the wazoo. They would have built a massive product. They would have had all of the corporate dollars from that Scottsdale area, which there's lots of money in Scottsdale. I just, I can't fathom just how dumb a human being has to be to overlook that. Their practice rink was in Scottsdale. Players all live in Scottsdale. It just seems like they just keep screwing up. Like, like it just doesn't seem like it's a cycle that yeah. is ever ending. I definitely know what I wanted to, to mention to you before we get out, and I know I've said that three times. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we have talked a lot uh, in the last year or so about Matthew Kachuk for obvious, obvious reasons. But it looks like they're finally getting Brady some help in Ottawa, and they get him Jacob Chikrin, and I see what Jacob Chikrin, Chikrin gets traded for, and I go, Bill Armstrong waited way too long to trade that trade ship. Yeah, he overplayed his hand for sure. And then he really screwed himself because he says, this is rumor, I believe it to be true, heard some from a pretty good source, but 
that he would not trade within the division. So the Colorado Avalanche saying that, or the Dallas Stars, or even the St. Louis Blues saying that makes sense mm-hmm. because you don't want you are competitive within your division ordinarily year in and year out. Um, and you don't want to trade a player that can come back and haunt you. The Coyotes have been dog crap for I don't know how long now. They're still three to five years if they're lucky. Right. Whoever they trade within the division is not going to impact them at all. Get the most bang for your buck. Because Army, I'm sure Army would have given up that package for Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. A first, a second, and a third. Big freaking deal. Here you go. You got a cost-controlled 24-year-old stud defenseman with two years left at $4.5 million, I think. I think Dallas would have done it. I believe that Winnipeg would have done it. I believe, like, so many teams would have done it. But either way, go back to Ottawa, uh, my hometown. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So Brady Kachuk, and my brother still lives up in Ottawa, and he follows the team. He is a a Sens alumni up there. And uh, he's like, this team is fun, man. They're exciting. Claude Giroux is playing awesome. Uh, You know, Tim Stutzla is, is just a stud. Drake Batherson. You got Shabbat on D, and you got Brady Kachuk, who that guy's a man child. It's so much fun to watch him play. He challenges the entire Red Wings bench the other night. He literally stands in front of their bench and who he goes, Who effing wants God. it? Who wants it? I love hockey so much. Now, <laughs> and they're like three points out of a playoff spot now. And then Pierre, Pierre Dorian goes and gets Jacob Chikrin to solidify that blue line. This Ottawa team, they might squeak into the playoffs this year. And if they do, they'll be dangerous. Bunch of young, dumb, full of you-know-what right. hockey players. Nothing to lose, buddy. Just getting after it, super excited to be in the NHL playoffs. They could do some damage. If Maybe not win around, but certainly be a damn pain on the neck to somebody. Yeah. But then the next couple of years, man, this team is going to be good. They've got draft capital. They've got cap space. They've got great young talent. This is going to be a fun group to watch. Dude, it's fair or not fair. I always end up rooting for the Canadian teams when, uh, you know, when like, the Blues kind of fate is decided. So, man, I will be rooting hard for the Maple Leafs come playoff time. I want to see Ryan O'Reilly win another one. Yeah. 100%. More so than, like, the Rangers. But that's because I, nothing against Vladdy, but I will never root in the history of my life for a team with Patrick Kane on it. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah, that's not my issue with this one. My issue, to be honest, and... um I'll just wear it, and I would say it to the individual, is Ryan O'Reilly didn't want to leave here. He did it because he knew it was part of the business. Vladimir Tarasenko no longer wanted to be a St. Louis Blue. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I take that personal. As a guy who wore the blue note twice and would have loved to have spent my entire career here and would love to wear that damn thing just one more time, I can't imagine asking to have it taken away from me. Like, I don't want it anymore. You take it. Mm-hmm. That just rubbed me the wrong way from the beginning. I was willing to overlook it because I knew that there was a bigger business decision to be had, and Army played his hand the right way. But this is why I won't be rooting for the Rangers. I, it sounds terrible. I don't necessarily want to see success come to that individual. I don't think so. I, dude, I, I think we all have The those. worst part is I, I like Vladdy. Like, I like him. Yeah. I've had conversations with him. I've known him for a long time. I've done some work on the ice with Vladdy. It's, there's no, like, but I can't get past the fact that he didn't want to wear the jersey anymore. Yeah. And for a guy, an alumni that lives here and still is active with the Blues Hockey Club and the alumni and raising money and all that, with with the Blue Note still kind of on my chest at all times, no, not the jersey, but I just, I don't like it. God damn it, I love doing this podcast with you. 
for reasons just like that. Man, oh man. Last Minute Blues podcast for Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango. As always, thanks for listening, and let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.